Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the theme chosen for the ministry year that begins today is is one that should be pretty easy to remember. The family of God. We are in it, children of the Heavenly Father, brothers and sisters to the Son of God and to each other, and we are a congregation called together by the Holy Spirit. Family of God should be easy to remember, but at the same time, it's something that can be easily overlooked or taken for granted or or just not thought about enough in the same way that you can be in a house that has been your home for many years and stop thinking about what a blessing it is to have that home. And we will be praying later in the service for a family in our area that just lost their house to an explosion Friday night. So taking time this year to to learn and remember what it means to be in God's family as believers and to be God's family as a church and how much we have to thank him for all this, well, seems like a good thing. One of the interesting things about this topic, though, is is that the doctrine of the family of God is, is not something you find by going to one or more key passages in Scripture that that teach all about it. Instead, it is a teaching that that pervades the Bible. It's present all throughout it. It appears in many places, but it's rarely spelled out in an extended or detailed manner the, the way that other doctrines like how we are justified by faith in Christ alone through grace alone are. But this is not a, a weakness. It, it's an opportunity because it means that we can find important truths about the family of God in all sorts of texts and in all sorts of situations. And we can learn and be inspired and be strengthened by all of them. The passage that we are going to focus on this morning is perhaps the closest we can get to a a scriptural summary of what it means to be in God's family. But it is still kind of a... uh, a sideways or backdoor instruction because we we get it not from the Apostle Paul writing, here is what I want to teach you, but rather, here's what I'm praying for you. We read Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. For this reason, I kneel before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the entire family in heaven and on earth receives its name. I pray that, according to the riches of his glory, He would strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner self, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Then, being rooted and grounded in love, I pray that you would be able to comprehend, along with all the saints, how wide and long and high and deep his love is, and that you would be able to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able, according to the power that is at work within us, to do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. 
That is quite a prayer, isn't it? Imagine how it would have made you feel as a member of the congregation in Ephesus to know that the Apostle Paul was praying that for you. But it is not a stretch or unreasonable to consider that that he was praying that for us too, almost 2,000 years in the future, because it is a prayer for all the church and for all believers, not just the members of one congregation, which means that it is then a prayer for our congregation and its members as well. And what is the foundation of Paul's prayer? Really, it's the same foundation as what Jesus gave us in the Lord's Prayer, the fatherhood of Christ's and our Father in heaven, that we are his dear children. As Paul says, it is from him, the Father, that the entire family in heaven and on earth receives its name. So we are connected. Every believer to the Father and every believer to every other believer because we all have the same Father and we all bear his name. And we all have the same brother, too. The only way that any human being is able to have a place in God's family is through faith in Jesus Christ, God's Son. And that is because the Father sent His only begotten Son to earth as the sacrifice necessary to change us. Change us who were slaves to sin into redeemed sons and daughters. And how do we get this essential and saving faith in Jesus? Through the work of the Holy Spirit, who creates that trust inside our hearts by means of the gospel and then nurtures, strengthens, and focuses that faith through the same means of grace. Paul's prayer here gives full and proper credit to all three persons of the Holy Trinity as he affirms our place in God's family. He also affirms what we confess every time that we say, I believe in the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, and we believe in the one holy Christian and apostolic church. Believers are not just independent individuals who who each happen to have a connection to God, like, like children of different mothers who have the same distant father. We are instead each part of the same family of faith with exactly the same spiritual parentage. Paul's prayer here speaks of God at work in the church, in and for all of us, And he prays that the blessings the Lord gives one group of believers be given also along with all the saints, which means all who have their faith in Christ and have thus been made holy. Every believer of every place and even every time. Now you, you may have grown up with no or, or just one or two siblings in your earthly home, but you are actually part of a very big 
family. The number of your brothers and sisters in God's family is beyond our counting, and it is growing every day until Christ returns at the end of days, and we are all taken together to live in joy and harmony in our family home, heaven. Consider all these connections that we have as Christians to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and to all the saints here and everywhere. Consider those connections, and and you can never feel empty or alone. Our place in God's family means fullness and fellowship forever. And while family time does not always conjure up warm feelings for us with our earthly relations, life together as God's children is and always will be good because it is and always will be founded in and defined by love. Paul here prays for the Ephesians and for us that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and then tells us what the results of such indwelling will be. We will be rooted and grounded in love. But the family of God is a family of love not just because it it starts there with His love for us, but also because as His redeemed children we come to know that love on a a daily basis with both our heads and our hearts, gaining knowledge of it from experience as well as instruction. In fact, there is no way to explain our place in God's family without speaking of love. And there is no way to understand our salvation without rooting it in love. And none of it has to do with us being lovable. The opposite is the case. We are by nature not God's friends, but His enemies. It is the choice that our first parents made, and and we confirm it constantly from the moment we first draw breath. God is our Creator, and we owe Him obedience and thanks. But as sinners we choose to give him rebellion and ingratitude. And we follow Satan's lies and and call our choices freedom. But doing, thinking, and saying what we want instead of what the Lord wants only strengthens the chains that bind us in sin and bind us to death and damnation. What we deserve is hell with the devil and all his demons. But God, God wants to give us something other than what we deserve. He is merciful. And he shows us mercy for no other reason than that he loves us. It is an unconditional love, a a deep love, a love that sacrifices and gives without limit, a love whose goal is is always and only what is best for the beloved. And the Father showed that love by sending His Son to be our Savior. And the Son 
embodied that love by taking on flesh in Mary's womb and becoming our brother. And while shrouding his divinity in his humanity, Jesus, the God-man, loved us to the utmost. He took our place, both in obedience and in penalty, and he suffered and died on the cross to, to pay the price of our sins at the cost of his precious life and blood. And then, having conquered sin for us for good, he finished off death as well. And with his resurrection from the tomb, established eternal life for all who put their trust in him. And that trust itself is a gift of love from the Holy Spirit. We could never manufacture it ourselves. He has planted faith in our hearts so that we might take hold of all that God's grace and mercy have given us. Now, sure, it is possible to talk about all of this in a, as a disinterested third party, comparing Christian theology to anything and everything else. But the love of God is not comprehended by mere discussion or study. The only way to truly know God's love is to first appreciate how deep our guilt and corruption are without Christ, and to appreciate how truly insurmountable our debt of sin is, so that, so that we can then experience that love that lifts us up out of the pit of death to join the Father in the completely undeserved blessings of heaven. And then, with faith in Christ, then, then we begin to comprehend how wide and long and high and deep His love is. And as we know this love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, we are filled wonderfully, glorious, graciously, filled to all the fullness of God. Now that, that would be more than enough of a gift to keep us grateful for our place in God's family. But no, it is not enough for our generous Lord. There's something else that Paul here connects with our father-child relationship. In fact, it's the main purpose of his prayer here. And that thing is power. Not physical power or power over other people or, or any kind of superpower, but the strength that we need in our inner selves, to stand firm in our faith against every outside assault and temptation, and to stand firm against every selfish impulse of our sinful nature. But even more than that, this is also the strength that we need to do all the things that family members do, to live in a way that reflects well on our Father to speak the gospel to those outside the family so that they might join us, to forgive each other, and to take care of each other with the same love that God showed us in Christ, to support the church and its workers and its mission, and, of course, to rejoice in every opportunity to strengthen our connections to the family. That is how we 
fill up. We read and hear our Father's word. We remember and embrace the baptism that put his name on us. And we eat and drink the body and blood of our brother Jesus, God's Son. All of these things empower our faith and draw us closer to the Lord. But but when we do them together, they also empower our love for each other and draw us closer as his family here in this place and at this time with these people who are our brothers and sisters and co-workers as we carry out Christ's mission in our community and our world. Sounds good, doesn't it? This connection, this love, this power, this is what we need and desire on this earth, and this is what awaits us in heaven. And God delights to fill us in this way, in his family forever. And when he does this, answering Paul's prayer, answering our prayers, when he does infinitely more than we can ask or imagine, well, then there is no question what comes next. He deserves it because of his goodness and grace and because of all his gifts to us. And we delight to give it to him. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. To him be the glory. Amen. Please rise. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.